Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 93, The Mystery of Angels, part 2. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Welcome back to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that tells you the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. I'm Scott Mitchell and I'm here with... John Potts. John Potts is back. John, thank you yeah. for being yeah. a part of this. I, I think uh, I think you're enjoying this. I hope you are. I am. Yeah. You let me come back, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like that. <laughs> it, it's rare that we do that, you know. And uh, I've, I've tried, I'm just glad you're here because I've tried to do episodes when Zena couldn't make it and it was just me. And I just don't feel the same, you know. I feel like I need that feedback from somebody, yeah. you know. You're not as cute as Zena, but you know, you'll work. You'll do it. I, I ask equally goofy <laughs> questions. Well, listen, I just appreciate it. Like I said last week, Zena's going to take a sabbatical for a while. Uh, she's getting more deeply involved in her course of study. So we wish her the very best. Love her dearly. And uh, she promises that she may be able to come back from time to time as a guest. But uh, for now, we're going to continue our study on the mystery of angels. So are you ready to take the red pill? Let's do it. Dive back in. Now, we left off last week uh, talking about angels. The word angel means messenger, but that's just a description of something that they do, at least one of the things they do. But their actual um, term is they're called the sons of God. Mm -hmm. And it's a reference to beings that are created. Even Adam was called the son of God in the sense that he was made. He wasn't born. Since Adam and Eve were created, everyone else has been born. Yeah. And they've been born as a result of the sinful condition that Adam brought into the race. So we were not called sons of God by birth, but we are sons of God by adoption. Hence the reason why Paul says we're a new creature in Christ, yeah. something created. So the first created beings were called the Benai Elohim. We're going to go to Job 38 in the Bible. And we're going to look at that usage. So when we started last um, episode and we said that the first occurrence of the word angel in the Bible was in Genesis 16 with Hagar and the angel of the Lord speaking to her, in time, the first reference to angels is literally Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The word's not mentioned there, but it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Everybody's familiar with that passage. But in that time when he created the heaven, he would have created the angels too. We don't know how long ago it was. It was not 4,000 years ago or 
you know, 6,000 mm -hmm. years ago, rather, mm -hmm. uh, as young earth creationists teach, I would respectfully disagree with them. I believe the earth is as old as millions or millions of years, whatever it is, because we don't know how long the earth existed before the first flood of Genesis 1, verse 2. But we do know this, after God created the heavens, the angels were there to witness him lay the foundation of the earth or the creation of the earth. So I would argue when he made the heavens, he made the angels too. So okay. Genesis chapter 38, starting in verse 4, we read, as Job speaks to, or rather God speaks to Job from out of the whirlwind, he says, Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof? The foundations, the measures, uh, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? It's like a construction site. You know, these are building terms. Yeah. Foundation, measure. The Stretching line. a line. Like, yeah. yeah, like popping a line. You Which know? is interesting that God would speak like that. Yeah. But he's he's a creator, right? Yeah. And, and I think there's something to that because even later when Paul says that he laid the foundation of the gospel, and he says, as a wise master builder, hmm. I've laid the foundation. Likening that there's something about the earth, and it, it all ties back into the kingdom of heaven ultimately. The earth is the kingdom of heaven. Because one day... Yeah. If you think about it, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth, and we're seeing the creation of the earth right here in these passages. <laughs> and there was that perfect um, harmony. Yeah. There was simpatico. There was no separation of the earth from heaven. It will be restored to that in Genesis, in Revelation 21. When we get to that, everything's going to come full circle. Okay. So the kingdom of heaven is literally when heaven and earth reunite, and they're no longer separated as they are now by that sea. You know, the sea of glass. That'll be awesome. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I can't <laughs> wait. I really can't wait. But anyway, continuing, he says, um, verse 6, Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? So the foundations of the earth are fastened to something. We don't even know what it is. Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? And even Christ is referred to as the cornerstone. Yeah. <clears throat> the chief cornerstone. And then here it is, verse 7, When the morning stars sang together... And all the sons of God shouted for joy. And that's the first occurrence of angels in the Bible. When, when it actually, not, not from a standpoint of interacting with men, but from the standpoint of when we see them in, their fir in the first act they ever did. Mm -hmm. They sang and shouted for joy at so witnessing. It, and you would have to think, so when I read this, you, you're not going to shout for joy if something's not made for you, yeah. right? So obviously when God is creating the earth, right? He's creating it and the angels are watching this, right? Yeah. And they are thinking, <clears throat> it's almost like a little kid, right? A little yeah. kid is not going to get all excited that his dad is building a tree house for some other little kid, yeah. right? He's just going to be like, <laughs> oh man, analogy. that's a great tree house, right? But when, but when the dad is creating this awesome tree house for that kid, that kid's going to be like, oh, I can't wait to go, right? Yeah. So the angels are shouting. They're like, wow, look at this amazing creation because it, it's got to be for them, right? I got to tell you, if I'll pay you money for it, but I'm going to borrow that analogy in my book <laughs> about the, the tree, the house. tree house. That's fantastic, John. I never thought of it that way, but you're exactly right. Yeah, they, they were shouting for joy because he was building them a home. Yeah, so this is way before man were created. We like you said, picture. this could be millions of years. We don't know. Yeah, and right? we were in God's mind. 
But he yeah. didn't have to tell them what he was doing. No. He had, they had no idea. So you're exactly right. He did all of this, and they witnessed it, and it must have been a marvelous feat, you know. Because Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and it doesn't say how he did it. Here we get yeah. a little bit of insight into how he did it, but it's nothing about how long it took. Yeah. It wasn't six days that he created heaven and earth. It was six days that he restored it. And I think that's a big yeah. point that a lot of Christians miss. So these sons of God were there. Now, it's interesting because God is the Hebrew word Elohim. And it can hmm. be singular or it can be plural. It can be literally the gods, Elohim, or referring to the almighty God, Elohim. Okay. And the context of the rest of the Hebrew passage <clears throat> will bear that out. So sons of God is B'nai Elohim, son, okay. Ben. Like if you've ever heard a surname of, you know, Joseph Ben something, even Ben Laden. Osama Ben Laden. Arabic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, exactly. it's a Canaanitic type language, yeah. but it's still a, a um, Semitic language. So Ben, B-I-N, B-E-N. It's like begot, right? Or right. of. Of, right? exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in the modern way, you would say if a person's last name was Johnson, son of John. Mm -hmm. Or Stevenson, son of Stephen. Yeah, okay. That's what that originally came from. So Ben Elohim, sons of God. And they are literally rulers or judges in some instances. They're the divine ones. They're angels or they're gods. So Benai Elohim can pertain to any of those things. So Elohim is God? Is God or gods, oh, okay. depending on okay. the usage. So, And it's just one of those languages where, you know, in English we, we do it completely different, but... Greek or Hebrew has endings that might be plural or singular, or the context bears out whether it's plural okay. or singular. So um, when you think about that, if the angels were made first, and we can see that they were, because man was nowhere around when God laid the foundation, all right, and then the angels shout for joy, and then we see destruction and renovation in the Genesis chapter 1, which is exactly what I believe happened. And then we come to the sixth day when God does make man. So for the first time now, we're witnessing man being created. And mm -hmm. in Genesis 1, verse 26, we read, And God uh, said, Let us make man in our image. Now, there's an argument that can be made that the us would include the sons of God watching. If they watched him lay the foundation of the earth, there's no reason to think they, that, that the elect angels now wouldn't have been watching him. And perhaps the fallen angels, too. So you think that the us includes the angels? It could very or well that's, do. that's not the Holy Trinity? It could be the Holy Trinity, but, you know, God is a spirit, and he's yes. the invisible God. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't have an image in that sense other than Jesus Christ, who he said yeah. is the express image of his person. So it's to me, I would like to think that since angels look like men, and Christ was made a little lower than the angels. Man was made a little lower than the angels. Yeah. But let us make man in our image, in our likeness, unlike any animal, you know, bipedal yeah. instead of four legs or fins or whatever, feathers. And so let us make man in our image after our likeness. So obviously the intention was they're going to be more like the sons of God because Adam is called the son of God. Interesting. <clears throat> you know, and, uh, and, and it's not to say that God was, you know, looking at an angel going, okay. Right, let's shape it. Okay, you know, it's not, not that he yeah, was yeah. sculpting man as he was looking at an angel or anything. He didn't. But need they to do were that. created in his image, just like we were created in his image. I believe so. That's the connection. So is there? And I don't know, but are and I, so I'm asking you: Are there any instances in the Bible where an angel 
does not have the image of a man? Like, yes, really? Yeah. In fact, we're going to get to it. If we get to it, this episode, um, cherubs are different than men. Yeah. They're like, they're different than other angels. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny how the the distortion through time comes down and we look at things, uh, you know, it's like, how do you process a being with four faces of a lion, an ox, to be a baby with a, a with a bow and arrow? And a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> I put a diaper on my dog. He's more cherub than <laughs> he's more cherub than the baby cherubs with the diapers. Um, yeah, so like Cupid. Yeah, they they have four wings, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the four faces. And so they're nothing like the image of God or the image of the other Benai Elohim. Yeah. Yet they're angelic beings of some form. So we'll discuss hmm. them too. That's interesting. Yeah. So he said, let us make man after our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Mm -hmm. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And since Jesus Christ is the express image of God's person and the Holy Spirit would have no image, God's the invisible God. So I wouldn't doubt that Adam looked just like Jesus Christ, you know. In that sense, you know. And it's interesting to think that Adam literally means red man. So is it possible that the soil that he made from the dust of the earth was red soil? You know, Adam. In fact, it's almost the same word as Edom. And Edom is the nation that came from Esau. And Esau was born red and hairy. You know, so it's just kind of an interesting uh, interesting. thing about the redness, you know. So if people want to talk about... Um, you know, when, when, they, when they look at um, uh, evolution and the fossil record and they want to say the, the first uh, Homo sapiens species, you know, came from this area or that area and it would have looked like a monkey or whatever they yeah. claim in all that so-called science. Uh, they're missing the boat because the first man would have been red, reddish you know, uh-huh. in complexion. And I don't mean bright red like a blood, but but reddish in the yeah. sense of different from the angels, you know. Uh, ruddy, maybe. Uh, Interesting, I never thought about that. Yeah, Adam, red man. Huh. And then, of course, we've discussed before that we know about the fall uh, and Satan uh, tempts Eve in the garden and then uh, the next thing you know, sin enters into the human condition. Uh, some want to argue that sin didn't exist until Adam sinned, but that's not true. The Bible says death came and death passed upon all men for all that sin. But there was sin before Adam was created with the rebellion of the angels yes. and Lucifer. There's no question about that. So I don't know why it would even be considered that Satan rebelled after Adam was created and then planned his insurrection. That, that would make no sense. Well, to me. just him tempting Eve yeah. was a sin. Mm-hmm. Right, so that would be the sin before the original. Yeah, he's sin, already disobedient. Right? Yeah. He's already a sinful creature. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. That that he he already exists as the serpent. Yeah, and he's lying to her. Mm-hmm. So he would have committed the sin even before Eve, if there had been no sin before. You know, mm-hmm. he he lied. You're right. Uh, so Genesis six, of course, gives the account that we we hinge so much of what Bible mysteries is trying to prove that angels got involved in corrupting mankind. So we read chapter six, verse one. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God. 
saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, the reason why the Bible didn't use the word angels here, and why some would argue these were the, the sons of God were the children of uh, Seth, and the daughters of men were the children of Cain. Uh, you know, they, there's all mm-hmm. this extrapolation, and they, they argue backwards from the point that Christ said, in heaven they're like the angels, they don't marry. So therefore, angels can't reproduce. Nothing in the Bible says angels can't reproduce. It doesn't say that at all. But they're not in the office of angels here. They're not being messengers. They're not being harbingers of God's uh, either divine protection or wrath. As it turns out, they're doing something in rebellion against God. And the fact that no extensive details are given about this is evidence that it was widely known to the Hebrew children in the time of Moses that this happened. This would have been known about. In fact, there was an entire history of what happened, and we get all the mythology of the Titans and the Greek gods and the Egyptian gods and the Akkadians and the Sumerian gods. And everywhere you go, any ancient culture has mythology, I'll call it, centering around the sky people, the gods that came down and interbred with mankind. And so people deny, Christians deny this as though they're just, they refuse to accept what's really here, you know. Now, granted, I mentioned the book of Enoch, and they give great details about this. Whether it's true or not, or 100% accurate, we don't know. But um, (laughs) it seems interesting that that information was written in a book somewhere. And it very much parallels the distorted lens of the Egyptian mythology and the Greek mythology and the Roman mythology. But ultimately the same end. The gods came down, they took wives of men, right? Well, these were the gods, the Benai Elohim, the sons of God. And they took the daughters of men, they took them to wife, and we know that as a result of that union, they bore the giants, the Nephilim. Sorry to interrupt you. I I think it's interesting to me, it's interesting at least, that they— that they saw that the daughters of man were attractive. Yeah. So, I mean, that tells you right there that they felt desire, they right? Did. They saw these women, and, and you got to imagine the women at the beginning of the world were probably pretty good looking because they're oh, yeah. all perfect, Genetically right? Yeah, perfect, they're, yeah. Yeah. So they're looking at the. Without diseases, without anything. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, but the it, I guess that's a non point, really. The interesting thing is that an angel who. I don't know, I guess everyone has assumed throughout whatever that the angels are just angels, right? And they don't feel these feelings, but yeah. these angels did, right? They, they looked at did. human women and they were like, wow, I want that lady for a wife. Absolutely. You know? I, I believe they certainly could feel, in fact, according to the book of Enoch, they taught the women how to make themselves even more attractive. Yeah, through they makeup. Makeup and, yeah. and all kinds of, they taught, they taught mankind a lot of things that were wrong, that were bad. You know, man took them how to make war. Mm-hmm. How to build instruments, weapons of war, yeah. uh, many things like that. So that that we're literally talking about the occult wisdom that the satanic global elite is trying to gain access to. You know, um, mm-hmm. are you a uh, a person that has watched any of the episodes of the show Stranger Things? Uh, yeah, yeah. So are you familiar with the upside down and the the, the things? Um, that- 
I couldn't really tell you. I yeah. mean, I probably, <laughs> I probably just watched it with my wife one time and thought, <laughs> thought it was kind of cool, but I didn't really pay attention that much. But it might be interesting for our listeners if they if they want to go back and watch those uh, episodes and start to think in terms of this is not a fictional movie. This is a documentary. Really? <laughs> yeah. And because you you literally what you're having is. Um, the girl that's the focus of the story is uh, um, has these powers, psychokinetic, telekinetic powers. Yeah, and her name is Eleven. Well, she's the product of MK Ultra experiments, mm-hmm. which we've done an episode on MK yeah. Ultra, and so you know it's mind control. Yeah, and this Doctor Brenner was trying to create a weapon out of her. You know, use her as a weapon uh, and, and psyops and things like that. But it ultimately is they ended up opening a portal into the other dimension, another dimension. And that's the upside down. Huh. And it's really a, a, a picture of opening a door to the demonic realm so they can come into our world which is what's going to happen when the bottomless pit is open. So I am definitely watching the show oh, now. Let me tell you, I mean, that is, sounds awesome. All of this is tying into current events. There's episodes of um, The X-Files, later episodes uh, when they came back and redid the series again, uh-huh. where they literally have a whole thing about the government. They're exposing the government creating a vaccine that destroys your immune system so you die, and they're depopulating the earth. It's, it's, and this was before... The pandemic. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a Isn't there stuff in in the the Simpsons. Yes, <laughs> there's like it's like prophetic stuff in the Simpsons. And, right? uh, close encounters. Yeah. The, the the mothership comes down and they greet the human beings and take them. Does with it, it come down on Devil's Tower? Yeah, that's got to be a tree, right? There's, that's, yeah. that's a tree. <laughs> a from fossilized the, yes, tree. from the Nephilim, <laughs> like the giants, right? Could well be. <laughs> And, and, and it's, it opens up all these possibilities that the satanic globally and Satan is revealing to his people what he's doing, just as God reveals through his word by his spirit what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, Satan is trying to say, these are this is not fiction. This is my plan. This is my whole propaganda, you yeah. know. So I think there's something to that, you know, and we're just being conditioned. We're being programmed to accept it, you know. We're going to accept the new alien uh, interlopers as our saviors one day, which mm-hmm. are in fact going to be Satan and his fallen angels after they're cast out of heaven. Which is the only thing to me that makes sense. Yeah. We were talking about this in the in the last episode, mm-hmm. right? How could people think that they could defeat the army of God, right? right? And this is in Revelation. Army of God's coming down. I'm thinking if I'm a human, there's we ain't got a shot here, right? Yeah. But, but the people, and obviously at that point, they've taken the mark. And they are transhuman, right? So yeah. who knows what kind of mind control is going on there? Exactly. But they think that they can defeat the army of God. They do. Um, so I don't know. That's super interesting. Interesting that- you bring that up because uh, author Timothy Alberino in his book Birthright uh, posits the idea that uh, one of the possible ways the scenario will play out as this deception is when Satan comes down with his angels, they claim to be aliens. Uh, mm-hmm. To deliver us from another threat. So that's the big delusion, right? Or the big delusion, or exactly. It's called. So uh, he posits that there's a possibility. I don't know that I necessarily uh, can corroborate it, but I, I hope to have him on as a guest sometime to interview him about this. But he posits the idea that maybe there's another extraterrestrial race of beings that are also in a rebellious state. They're not fallen mm-hmm. angels, they're actual beings. 
And they have superior technology, and they and maybe they're the Greys or the reptilians or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't spe- specify, but what if they at some point attack the Earth? I don't know that that's possible, but if they did, then Satan and his angels come down, and they're more like the Asgardians, right? They look like mm-hmm. Thor, and they defeat them with the superior technology. And then they come down to say, hey, we're your alien ancestors. We seeded the monkeys. You became humans. We are here to protect you and guide you to your next phase of evolution to become transhuman, like you said. Yeah. So man will not only fall for that deception, but they're going to be thinking, while they came to save us. And so if Christ comes back with his angels, then Satan will simply say, that's just another alien threat. Don't buy his baloney that he's the creator God. Yeah. You know, we're the true... I'm beings. the Messiah. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly that's how they're going to do it. It could very well be. So that would be my theory. I don't know about another race of yeah. aliens attacking or whatever, but right. if, if everyone takes the mark, mm-hmm. right... And then the part of the the grand delusion or the big delusion is that, and then part of the knowledge of the Antichrist is, because in the first three and a half years, everything's good, right? Yeah. Hey, you can now become immortal or whatever. Right. I can cure all sickness. No one has cancer Or oh, he's going to offer eternal life. World peace, yeah. all this, right? So he brings all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, you start getting to the three and a half year mark. Well, then, hey, these guys are coming from outer space, and we're going to have to fight them, right? Yeah. That's going to be the only thing I could think that someone, as a human, transhuman, whatever, who's yeah. mind control, would think we're going to actually fight these other aliens off. Exactly. Right. And the Book of Revelation says that the world wonders after the beast, and they say, "Who is like unto him? Who can make war with him?" So mm-hmm. he must have such power, such technology, that the world will think this is what we've been looking for. We've always needed a benevolent king or whatever they're going to claim mm-hmm. him to be. And, of course, he's going to ha- be, be happy to take that role. Now, last week we mentioned another form of angelic being called cherubs. Uh, or did mm-hmm. we talk about that already yeah. today? <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> Probably both We did weeks. talk about a little bit about today, right, last, yeah. last week also. And so rather than being the little cherubic creature with the diaper and the bow and arrow like mm-hmm. a Cupid, we see them uh, in Scripture slightly differently. So if we look in their first occurrence is Genesis 3, <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 24. Um, so he drove out the man. This is after the sin in the garden. And he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So this particular creature, cherubim, um, guards something. And the, and the, basically the word kind of got transliterated into English. So cherubim is the Hebrew word kerub. Okay. So cherub, kerub, it's the same word. Cherubim tends to be the plural, cherub, a singular. So why they put an S on cherubims, I don't know. But, you know, whatever it is, it's an angelic being. Uh, and again, a strong concordance as the guardians of Eden, this Eden here, mm-hmm. as flanking God's throne, which we see in the book of Revelation. Which is and, also interesting to me. Yeah. And why does them. why does God need guardians? I'm just throwing it out there. Because of saying, the rebellion. But I mean, if, if God, think about God's it. throne. Yeah. Well, you uh, think the rebellion oh, of because Lucifer of the angelic, and his angels. Yeah. yeah. So he's got guards. It, there's a government there. You know, you think That's about interesting. Okay. kings. God is the king of the universe. Yeah. You know, uh, you think about government today. Man mimics the heavenly realm, armies. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. called the Lord of Hosts. What does the word host mean? It's an army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the Lord of Armies. His angels are warriors. There's been a battle going on for millennia. 
between angels, angelic factions. Another way of thinking in terms of things like Star Wars, you know, yeah. the Empire versus the Republic, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. Or you can, any number of other movies and books and things uh-huh. you could look at. It's all kind of a, an imitation, but with a distorted view, you know. So uh, hmm. flanking God's throne, so you're asking, why would he need a guard, you know? Well, because there's a battle going on, Yeah, you know? As an image form hovering over the Ark of the Covenant, there were cherubs built onto the lid of the Ark, yeah. you know? And how did they know how to describe them, you know? I don't think angels, as we <laughs> understand them, the Benai Elohim, sons of God, have wings. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. But the cherubs do, you know. Okay. And they appeared to have four wings, two that go behind them. And on the ark, on the lid of the ark, the other two wings went forward like this. And then they face each other so their wingtips touched. Mm -hmm. So they had the wings going behind them and the wings going forward, and they seemed to be bowing down, as it were, you know, yeah. as though they were looking down. It's a picture of the throne of God, in a sense, you know. And then as the chariot of Jehovah, uh, they, they, he rides on the wings of a chariot in the Psalms, in different instances. So look what he, we see in Isaiah 37. We see a really more vivid picture of the description of, um, of cherubs. Other beings, they're not called sons of God, though, interestingly enough. So they're different. Uh, 37, Isaiah 37, verse 16. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. And I'd say it's a fascinating picture that he dwells between the cherubs, and there's literally four of them. Uh, that we see in heaven in uh, the book of uh, Revelation. But we see it first in the book of Ezekiel, and it's interesting because we're going to see that Ezekiel's perspective of this scene is different, but it's the same scene that John records in the book of Revelation. And Ezekiel's perspective, if he's on the earth, standing by a river, looking up and seeing this vision. John's perspective is he's taken up into heaven and he writes from the throne itself, from the throne room 
on the floor of heaven. Hmm. And you would think, well, what was? why did there have to be a difference? Well, John writes after Christ had already ascended up. So the way for him to go up to heaven has been made clear yeah. through his sacrifice at Calvary. When Ezekiel writes, that had not yet happened. So there's, he couldn't have been brought up, apparently. So let's look at Ezekiel's instance there in chapter 10. <clears throat> and there's actually one in chapter 1. So this is a second one, but I'm going to use its description because of the wording it uses. So verse 10 of Ezekiel 10 says, uh, he's looking at this vision of cherubims, and as for their appearances, they four, there's four of them, had one likeness. So they all appeared the same. As if a wheel had been in the midst of a wheel. He's describing the wheel. By the way, why would they need a wheel? You know, they have wings. There's a wheel within the midst of a wheel. Yeah. It's hard to imagine what that means, a wheel in the midst of a wheel. But if you think about, he's describing something from that century. Yeah. So there's no electricity. There's no combustion engines. There's nothing like that. So could he be describing what we would call a UFO? Yeah. Something spinning around inside another circle. And maybe you, he was seeing like the classic saucer-shaped UFO yeah. with lights going around it. Yeah. A wheel within a wheel. Maybe that's his description of something that he couldn't even possibly describe any other way at that time. Uh, verse 11, and it, which just tells me this is angels, a, a form of an angelic being with superior technology. They use these vehicles to, for conveyance. When they went, they went upon their four sides. They turned not as they went, but to the place where the head looked that followed it. They turned not as they went. And their whole body and their backs and their hands and their wings and the wheels were full of eyes round about. Even the wheels that they four had. That could be lights. As for the wheels, it was cried unto them in my hearing, O wheel. <laughs> and everyone had four faces, each cherub. The first face was the face of a cherub. The second face was the face of a man. The third, the face of a lion. And the fourth the face of an eagle. And when he described these same things in chapter one, he said the first one had the face of an ox. Hmm. So the primary face of the cherub appears to be the ox, the face of a cherub. And it's interesting, we're going to find that Lucifer is the anointed cherub, and he's described as having horns and calves feet in you know, typology yeah. or mythology yeah. or whatever. Um, verse 15, and the cherubims were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Kibar. And that's referring back to chapter 1. So it's just fascinating that these are angelic creatures that are unlike the sons of God, the Benai Elohim. Uh, they may have been, they may be sons of God, but they're not called that. They're called cherubim. So the wheels, that's, that's pretty fascinating, right? The wheels, I mean, obviously, I think that's a great interpretation that those could be some kind of a UFO or it appeared to right. when he's writing this that that was a UFO. But do you think that they're using that craft to travel or is something accompanying them I in the craft? Are. Because they, you don't think that they can travel interstellar or through dimensions on their own. They need the craft. So it... It tells me then that the laws of physics are the same for them as they are for us. God created the universe. Yeah. So things like gravity and the speed of light and whatever, laws of thermodynamics, all apply. 
in this realm right now as it sits. Now, it may be a corrupted, corrupted universe still. Even Paul says all creation is in bondage. Uh, so we, again, looking through the lens of Paul, um, it's going to be delivered into the liberty of the sons of God. Hmm. Right? These and us, we're going to be reunited. Okay? Well, yeah. So it, is it another dimension or is it the same universe, just the spiritual realm we can't see? Yeah. Governed by the same laws of physics that we are, only they have superior technology that God has given them to use for his purpose. But that would mean that they can't physically fly themselves? Yeah, unless the wings allow them to do so. But, you know, there's no, you know, people think of angels as having wings, but they don't. Only the cherubim are described as having yeah, wings. And otherwise, otherwise they look like seraphim. men. Yeah. They wouldn't look like men. They would have known, you know, they were different. I mean, people would have probably just fallen down to worship them if they had wings, you know. So I yeah. don't think the angels had wings. They looked like men. They were probably slightly taller, certainly more perfect genetically. Yeah. You know, but um, they, uh, they probably traveled into our realm using these craft. Is there anything in scripture that speaks about an angel flying like uh, by itself would uh there, know? yeah well it says they he caused to fly swiftly is a, is a passage in the book of Daniel uh the angel being caused to fly swiftly but it doesn't say how he flew if he was in a yeah. craft he was flying yeah an airplane or riding the wings of a cherub you know huh and there is a reference to God riding on the back of a cherub in the book of Psalms. But it could also be that he's in the, the that's, vehicle. That's fascinating. It really is. I, I think it's very possible that the uh, fallen angels have the same technology. And they're the ones, they're the UFOs yeah. that we see. Or and, what's all over um, the pyramids or the Aztecs where they show a guy flying in a spaceship, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Seeing all that. Now, you know, one of the angels we talked about last week was the angel of the Lord. And you were bringing that up in Joshua where he said, hey, mm -hmm. he's not going to put up with your nonsense. You yeah. know? And the angel of the Lord um, is um, specific. He's something. I think is the same individual that was talking to John in the book of Revelation. Behold, I've sent mine angel. But if we go to Exodus 23... Uh, got 32. I want 23. 32? Uh, uh, tw 23. Oh, I, I turned to 32 by oh. mistake. Yeah, so Exodus 23, and we'll look in verse 20. And this may be what one of the things you were thinking about. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Mm-hmm. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angel, capital A, again, shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, Rephaim giants, mm -hmm. or living among them, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, 
and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. It's amazing to see this. God would bless them if they obeyed the angel that he sent them. And with a capital A, I believe he was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ or appearing as the angel of the Lord, which is Christ's angel, the same one that spoke to John. Hmm. Fascinating to think about. Here he is to protect them, <clears throat> defeat their enemies if they obeyed. All they had to do was obey. And as a matter of fact, it's funny because right before they went into the land to occupy Canaan after they came out of Egypt, Moses spent spy, sent spies into the land. You know the story. Yeah. Joshua and Caleb were two of the 12. Yeah. And when they came back, the report was, oh, they're giants. We can't defeat mm -hmm. them. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, they're big, but the Lord's with us. Mm -hmm. What do we have to fear? We can take them. You know, the Lord will fight our battles. And the people listened to the 10 spies rather than the, the, the two, Caleb and Joshua. And that's why they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But the other thing that God said because of that disobedience and lack of faith was this. He said, if you would have trusted me, I was going to send hornets before you to drive them out of the land, and you wouldn't have had to lift a finger. Mm -hmm. And he was going to do it bit by bit so that as they occupied a city and they dwelt there for years and they had children and they multiplied, then they could move to the next one. And he would send hornets and drive them out, and you could take their cities. Why were these cities like Jericho walled so tall? Who were they trying to keep out? You know, uh, yeah. Giants. Yeah. So um, that's what he was going to do. And he said, but because you disobeyed, after all of you over 30 die in the wilderness because of your disobedience, or over 20, uh, then when you go into land, you're going to have to fight them. Hmm. Now, I'll do it for you, and you'll defeat them if you'll obey me. But that's just amazing to think about, that all they would have had to do was just trust the Lord, and he was going to use hornets. Can you yeah. imagine? Who can fight against hornets? You can't. <laughs> it's worse than mosquitoes. <laughs> mm. I mean, imagine... A swarm of hornets. Oh yeah, and stinging. Even what the giants could do nothing. No Just matter how run. mighty they were, yeah. all they could do is run. You know, it's fascinating to me that how many times you read about that particular story. It's here in Exodus. It's also in in Joshua, right? Yes. God uh, helps them and delivers them so many times, right? Over and over. And they still go back to to worshiping idols. I mean, how many times do you have to figure it out, right? I'm telling well, you. They just have no faith whatsoever. And, he and shows you, it to them over and over and over again, yeah. and then they continue to go right back to it. And so. you've got to know that, see, I believe angels have the same free will that men do. So mm -hmm. you've got to know that the angels saw over and over again God's majesty and his glory and his creative acts, and they still rebelled. Yeah. So what what would it take? Sin and, uh, you know, it, it's funny. It really kind of brings to light what Paul meant when he said, the love of money is the root of all evil. And you think, all evil? Well, maybe among humans, but was that the root of the evil that caused Lucifer to rebel? And the answer is yes. So what did he want? What was the money? So we think of money as like cash. Yeah. But it's wealth and riches regardless of how you measure it. So how they measured it in the angelic civilization would have been gold, silver, precious stones, as Lucifer was yeah. covered, and it wasn't enough. What was more glorious than he? The Lord himself. That throne, that throne room, the rainbow and everything. He wanted that. 
the love of my... The Bible says God's rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He says, all the gold and silver is mine. If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> uh -huh. You know? So Lucifer coveted what he had, the love of money, the root of all evil. But he wanted the worship, right? I think he wanted it all. Yeah. Because <clears throat> money and power gives you, you know, power over people. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wants, that he wanted to worship. Go to Isaiah 37, John, and notice how <clears throat> the angel of the Lord operated in this instance. Verse 31. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they sh that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. It's a future passage, <clears throat> but it's in a type in something that happened in history. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city. And by the way, who he's talking about here is the Antichrist. The king of Assyria okay. was a real person, but he's a type. He's going to try to attack Jerusalem, but he's not going to come into the city. Nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it, meaning like a, a, a flank of military. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into the city, saith the Lord. For I will defend the city to save it for mine own sake, and for the ser my servant David's sake. Then the angel of the Lord went forth, and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand, a hundred and eighty-five thousand soldiers killed by the angel of the Lord. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So this is a battle about Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, but he's mm -hmm. a type and picture of the Antichrist and what the Lord is going to do when he comes back. So you think of the angel of the Lord, you know, what happens when the Lord, if the angel of the Lord can smote 185,000, imagine what the Lord himself can do. Oh, yeah. Blood up to the horse's bridle, right? So... And then, like I mentioned last week, uh, that same angel of the Lord, I believe, is the one that appears to John in the book of Revelation. So let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Because we're looking at the mystery of angels, and we're seeing there's more to it than what people realize. It's not just, they're not just floating spirits with angels, and they're not female that I can see. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there are no female angels, but they're never mentioned in the Bible specifically. And uh, as we talked about cherubs, they're not little babies with bows and arrows. And then... Um, here we have the angel of the Lord who's some, something very specific about this. In chapter 1, verse 10 of Revelation, we read, uh, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me <clears throat> a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches, which are in Asia. And I'll skip down to verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Excuse me. <clears throat> And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. <clears throat> his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. Mm -hmm. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. What a striking picture, you know. Mm -hmm. 
And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, which is often the uh, what happens when a man sees an angel. He just pass out. Just faints. Yeah. Just like that. When they see an angel as an angel in its glory, you know, or at least the angel of the Lord, but, mm-hmm. but other angels too. So I think an angel can appear as a man and look so much like a man that men don't pass out. Yeah. But I think when they appear as they are in their condition as the Benai Elohim, that's when men faint. Wow. Yeah. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. Now watch as he speaks. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. So then this is Jesus speaking. It's Jesus speaking through his angel. The very same one that he said, don't provoke him. It's Mm -hmm. the same angel. Yeah. Huh. And then he says, write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. And as you know, in Ryan Peterson's book, The, the Final Nephilim, he starts that whole book talking about quantum physics mm-hmm. to show the, the perspective of how God can exist in multiple points in time, you know, as Christ is, was, and is, and shall be, you know, all that. Uh, it's, it's just a fascinating treatment of all that and how the types match that quantum physics ideology mm-hmm. of, you know, the Antichrist can exist and be in type in the history and yet be a future thing. You know, it's, it's really yeah. amazing to me, you know. And then finally, we know he's an angel uh, because of Revelation 22. And it's the last chapter of the Bible when he's closing out his words. The whole time he's writing down what the angel shows him and tells him. And then finally, in verse 8 of Revelation 22, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. So again, he speaks with the voice of God, I am, but he's still his angel. So watch Mm -hmm. what happens. Verse 9, Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets. And of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. Yeah. So he's an angel. But isn't it fascinating that he says, I'm of thy brethren? Yeah. We are related to the angels. Yeah, that is amazing. They are our elder brethren, you know, as Timothy Alberino points out. And we are by sons of God by adoption in Christ, but we're going to be reunited someday. And he gives an, an interesting analogy about this in the parable of the prodigal son which I think we're going to get to because it looks like we're going to make this a part three. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's so much to this. I just don't want to leave it uncovered. But let's keep going. Verse 10, he's still talking. He saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now that's fascinating to me because Daniel wrote very similar things. And when the angel was talking to him, he said, seal the book. Until the time of the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one says, seal not the sayings of this book, for the time is at hand. So it tells me that some of the things that Daniel wrote that were sealed, and this is one of the discussions I had with Ryan Peterson, uh, which we're going to release in an episode, I think after this one. Okay. Or I, it'll have to be after part three of, of our discussion of okay. the mystery of angels. But we got into this thing about the seven seals. And as a little bit of a teaser for the audience, I'm going to tell you that we discussed 
when were the seals starting to be opened? The the book mm-hmm. and the lamb of the uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book, and he begins to open the seals. And he has a perspective that I never considered before. Uh oh! It's not in the book that he wrote, the final Nephilim. It's something that we just discussed, and when he got into that, it was just like. That's a big teaser. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm not going to tell you what he said. I'm going to wait and share that with you. But it's a fascinating discussion that we had on that. So you have to tune in for that. All right. So anyway, verse 12, uh, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give every man according to his work shall be, as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So you can see that he's speaking. He's the angel, and yet he speaks with the voice of the Lord. And verse 16 clarifies it. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So I think what we'll do here is we'll be at a good stopping point, John, because I want to talk about angels interacting finally in the last days. Okay. And we'll we'll only get a few minutes into this before we'll have to stop. So we'll have to save this. So you're going to want to tune in to part three. And, John, I hope you'll come back for that, too. Yes, I'll be here. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you again for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, I want to remind you about uh, our new app and uh, the new website. So you can download the app. If you can't find it, go to the website. It's right at the bottom of each page. Um, But if you just search the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, App Store, you can find it as utbnow.com or Unlock the Bible Now. And uh, not utbnow.com, the UTB Now app and Unlock the Bible Now app. Uh, it's it, We want you to use that. It's other resources than the podcast. It's just another way you can get other Bible teaching that I do, uh, as well as there's a, a easy button to use to access donations. There's uh, uh, links to our social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all the rest of that. So please take advantage of that. And once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, John. Absolutely. And we'll see you next week, Lord willing. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.